the executive committee is the rotating body that, that really is the gatekeeper for what goes to the general forum. So each municipality's chair of their board or council sits on the executive committee and they're my direct bosses. I generally say I've got the 32 two bosses, but the six members of the executive committee are the ones that do my annual evaluation. And they rotate potentially every year as the chairs of each of the boards and councils rotate every year. That that makes it even more challenging than just having one or two change, but yes. there, there could be five or six new bosses each year. One of the key differences is that the COG could go away. The COG is a voluntary organization. And one of the terms we like to say is that the Center Region Council of Governments is not another layer of government. We are an extension of the municipalities we serve. The articles of agreement that are in place for the COG that bind the municipalities together as a whole from the COG perspective, but also for particular agencies and operation, have a defined way of spelling out the roles and responsibilities of the agency and the municipalities and the, everybody that's involved, but it also gives an out. Today, my guest, Eric Nuremberg, takes us inside the world of regional government. Eric is the executive director of the Center Region Council of Governments in Pennsylvania. Whether or not you have contemplated regional models of governance, this episode will open your mind to alternative ways of delivering local government services. If I had to sum up one key takeaway from this episode, it is this. What on the surface appears as clear vision, structure, and process belies the fullness of the layers of relationships and partnerships that have built up over the decades from the beginning. The COG was designed with an intention to work together. The result is a dynamic, collaborative approach to scaling local government services. We are talking this month about regional partnerships and why and when they make sense. The Center Region Council of Government offers a great model as well as lessons in scaling services. However, it is not without challenges, and we will hear about them too. Let's get started. The Center Region Council of Governments is so unique. I do want to make sure that our audience has an understanding about its history and structure. And so I'm going to just let you talk a bit about its history. Certainly. So the Center Region Council of Governments was established in 1969 and a couple of years ago had its 50th anniversary and it, it grew slowly out of partnerships over certain topics, certain things where as the region was growing yeah, and the center region, when we talk about the center region is six municipalities, it's five townships, college township, Ferguson township, Harris township, half moon township and Patton township. But it also includes the borough of state college. So as the community was growing from the borough out into these other communities, and there was a sense that they had more common issues that they needed to work on to solve together. The COG was that venue and that opportunity. And as things progressed with one matter, one, one area of collaboration, there, there were more opportunities. So they started in the sixties with planning. They had the center region planning commission 
And then they went into code administration, the building code and rental licensing is one of our biggest operations in terms of revenue and activity now today. And then that grew into center region parks and recreation. Parks and recreation for the area had been handled by the borough of state college and the school district for a while. And then they need to grow and take care of the population and the needs of a wider community. So in, then in 72, the fire protection program came into being as a collaboration through the COG and we kept growing and doing more. And two years later, we have the library, we have all of the operations that we have today. And then I don't remember what year it was, but we entered into a jointly bid contract for refuse and recycling services. That was a real huge efficiency. That's one operation that we don't deliver directly, but we manage that contract for the wider region. And that includes a municipality, um, Benner Township, that's outside of the core six municipalities. But we look for those opportunities to grow. And as things are successful and need to have a focus on efficiency and quality services, and we can provide that service to the municipalities at lower cost than they could do for themselves with better service and more benefits to the residents, it really is an efficient operation for us to continue to provide from the Congress. I know you're going to explain this a little bit, but I wonder as you, each of these service areas has a, a vision for what is a really large area. So you have a structure, which is the general form. If you talk a little bit how that general form operates and about committees that address these separate areas. Right. The, the overall governing body for the COG is the general forum, and that is all of the elected officials from the center region. So we have municipalities with five or eight or whatever, but we have 32 elected officials in total from the six municipalities. And generally we meet once a month in what we call the general forum. And that has been true from the beginning. And the article I mentioned that I found from several years back talked about how important it was in the nineties. And it, it, I think it is still today for the COG general forum to meet as a whole once a month to, to discuss and deal with approving issues or hearing information that everybody in the general forum needs to hear about and, and discuss because of the act of delegating from saying, we're going to push out some of that to a smaller group means that not everybody's aware, not everybody's in the loop. It's easy to say, oh, that's somebody else made that decision. But by bringing everybody together once a month through the general forum means that we're all in this together every month, at least at that one time. Now, obviously the general forum can't do all of the work of all of the agencies and all of the different things that go on. So we do have a number of committees. We have the finance committee, we have a facilities committee, the climate action and sustainability committee. We have a number of committees that are operating under the auspices of the COG, but then the library also has the library board that supports and guides the work of the library. And we have the center region parks and recreation authority. So. We have a lot of opportunities for elected officials to be involved, as well as residents who are appointed by the municipalities. And those committees meet on different nights. They're not meeting simultaneously. Correct. The general form is the only one that meets in the evening on with the library board meets on a different evening, but the COG committees generally meet either 8.30 in the morning mm -hmm. once a month or around the noon hour once a month. And they're generally meeting in person. 
these days? Hybrid still. We have, I think, some success in terms of the hybrid meetings. If our meetings were over and done within an hour, like they used to be, people could maybe get here from home and, or work and get back to work at a convenient time. But some of our meetings are really going longer. The work of the committees becomes more complicated and there are more issues. And so when someone's faced with a essentially two-hour committee meeting in the middle of the day, it often is easier for them to deal with the transportation issues by, by participating via Zoom. We have a pretty good system for hybrid meetings, and it's been very successful. Generally, we have at least half the members in the room and two or three maybe that have to participate remotely due to other conflicts. And you report to an executive committee? Correct. The executive committee is the rotating body that, that guides the, really is the gatekeeper for what goes to the general forum. So the, each municipality's chair of their board or council sits on the executive committee and that they're my direct bosses. I generally say I've got the 32 two bosses, but the six members of the executive committee are the ones that do my annual evaluation. And they rotate potentially every year as the chairs of each of the boards and councils rotate every year. That, that makes it even more challenging than just having one or two change, but yes. there, there could be five or six new bosses each year. Yes. I think any manager listening to this would agree. That sounds like a, a tremendous challenge. And I want to ask you about that role, but I want to make sure we understand some of the terminology. So you use a language, your departments are referred to as agencies and your body is referred to as a forum. Is there some intention behind the use of those terms? I'm not sure of the history about choosing the terminology, but I think we do want to make sure it's not confused with the municipal terms like the borough council or the township board of supervisors. I think we want to make sure it's clear and distinct that it's a different responsibility. And when you come to COG, you wear a different hat. You're now part of a different organization. I really don't know the history of that general forum name, but it is stuck. And the agency term sometimes gets confusing as well, but they, they really are the equivalent to a municipal department in terms of, of say the plant parks and recreation agency is very much like a municipal parks and rec agency, except it covers five municipalities instead of just one. There was something in the article that we were talking about earlier too, that there is just from the very inception, some philosophy or values around the collaborative governance. Is that the terms they use of the ability to work regionally had a, I think they wanted to differentiate that, that approach. It's very important for the elected officials from different municipalities to see themselves, in my opinion, as part of a bigger whole. And we don't want there to be us versus them kind of conversations. Oftentimes we will have very robust conversations as we go through the committee review and evaluation of projects. And oftentimes we will have one item that will have been through three or four committees before it gets to the general forum. And that means lots of individuals from different municipalities had the chance to really be engaged in that conversation, vet it, talk to their manager about it, talk to the other members of their board or council. So it really becomes hopefully a unanimous vote by the time we've gone through that 
that lengthy review. But if not, we have a lot of very informed people that can have a really comprehensive conversation about something when it gets to the general forum. We don't surprise the general forum with anything. Things that come to the general forum have been through at least one, if not several committees. I think from an organization development perspective, what I think about is that this was embedded into the culture that there's intention if you come into an elected body, you're elected in to any one of the participating municipalities, that you understand that there is something different happening here regionally. And that the work that you do in your municipality, of course, follows one set of rules and thinking. And then the work with the, the Council of Governments is something which is different, not entirely different, <laughs> but somewhat distinct. Maybe we could say. And so as a you have been in the municipal management field for many years, and I think it's interesting to hear your viewpoint on how the executive director role differs from that of a municipal manager. One of the key differences is that the COG could go away. The COG is a voluntary organization. And one of the one of the terms we like to say is that the Center Region Council of Governments is not another layer of government. We are an extension of the municipalities we serve. The articles of agreement that are in place for the COG that bind the municipalities together as a whole from the COG perspective, but also for particular agencies and operation have a defined way of spelling out the roles and responsibilities of the agency and the municipalities and the, everybody that's involved, but it also gives an out. There, there's a process if a municipality wants to withdraw or change its relationship with the others with respect to a particular service agency's responsibility. And so that's a little different from running a city that you're pretty much, or a borough or a township or whatever, as a municipal manager in that setting, you know, you're always going to be providing your core set of services and functions. Certainly you could choose to contract things out or bring things back from being contracted out, but that your municipality generally is not something that could go away after a year long separation process. Whereas we, we could have a municipality choose to no longer participate in one of our programs or no longer participate in the COG as a whole. And so I think what's different about my role is needing to nurture and sustain the COG as an organization and be aware of the concerns of individual members of the general forum, as well as municipalities, as it relates to the direction that the whole organization is going and the direction that particular agencies are going. And we have to be certainly aware of the funding realities and the limitations of financial resources that the municipalities have, because that's where most of our revenue comes from, is directly from municipal sources. So some of that I'm hearing you say is building relationships or bridges to right. make sure that people feel a part of the conversations that are happening and addressing their particular concerns should they arise? I think every municipal manager needs to have a good working relationship with their elected officials and 
make sure that no one feels neglected or that they're, you don't want to have any surprises for your bosses, whether they're supervisors or council members or other elected officials. For me, it's very difficult to keep 32 elected officials always informed of everything that's going on. But as we focus on some of the work of individual committees and the things that they're directly responsible for and the work of the executive committee, we have a lot of uh, messaging that goes out weekly or in between meetings uh, with some of those committees and with the executive committee to make sure that there aren't surprises and that we're nurturing the relationships between our agency staff and the elected officials, but also between elected officials, needing to make sure that everybody feels like they're engaged in the meetings, feeling like they're connected and that they're getting the information that they need. So it's about the relationship building. It's about sustaining that. It's about really the care and feeding of all of these committees so that they're feeling valued and, and that their time is not wasted. We two or three times a year may cancel particular committee meetings because we don't have things that need to go on the agenda. We still send out a cancellation notice with a lot of information and updates. But the last thing I want to do is gather a group of people together, just to hand out some updates and tell them what's going on and then have them feel like their time was wasted. Yeah. I think about municipal managers that I talk to, and there's so much that goes into the thought and intention around agenda and what goes on to the agenda. Is it ready? The timing, what's at stake? And I think about you and the committees that come forward, and I can imagine you can feel quite jammed in those times when you've got a lot that needs to come forward. Are you like a municipal manager in the way you address issues as they come forward, or is it different? We have to use some of the same tools and strategies that any municipal manager might use. We, in the past couple of years, have started using the consent agenda more because there are things that are fairly routine that come forward that don't need a lot of discussion. And a good example was a contract that went to the general forum the other night. And I've always, as a municipal manager and as a, as executive director, I've always encouraged elected officials to contact me before the meeting if there are questions of something that's on the agenda. And I had a call Monday afternoon from one of our elected officials who said, just have a quick question on this. I don't want to pull it off the consent agenda, but can you explain this question or the situation? That's the kind of thing that is something we all try and work to have that sort of relationship where somebody will call you in advance. Don't, they don't want to derail the meeting with something that seems minor or play gotcha on the floor of the council chambers. In this case, we were able to answer that question quickly and that item stayed on the consent agenda. And we were able to then focus the rest of the meeting on the substantive presentation and discussion items. That's interesting. So there is still this need to bring understanding and richness of the issue that's coming forward. So you have to be very good at the communication end in terms of staying abreast of what the committees are are doing or talking about and how that's all going to come forward. If you were to help committees, is it primarily to help them understand what exactly is going on in the organization, like the specifics of if it's operations or particular challenges? We try to do two things. One is at the beginning of each year, I ask staff to 
look ahead? What are the things that they anticipate are likely to come up over the course of the year so that the committee, each committee can sit down and chart out their work plan and their schedule and priorities? Because there, there are some things that there will need to be on a particular time frame due to other organizations or a bid needs to be awarded in time for a project. And so we ask them to be aware of that schedule and that helps us plan in advance so that we don't have some meetings of the general form that are overloaded and go three hours and then other yes. meetings that are really brief. So we try and keep things as, as smooth as possible from that respect. But the thing that we haven't talked about yet is that the COG general forum members, they are at their the most basic, they are members of a board of supervisors or a council. And so that that's their primary responsibility. So we also have to watch the workload and the schedule of all of those municipal meetings as well to make sure that we're not during with the workflow of the municipalities. And so I spend time, anytime there's a new council member, new supervisor who's elected or appointed to fill a vacancy, I spend time orienting them to the work of the COG because I, I think every one of our elected officials runs for office because they want to make their community better. None of them run for office because they want to be part of the COG. Most don't come into even as a candidate, I don't think they're thinking about the COG and I'm pretty sure most don't realize what the obligations of the COG are going to be when they win the election, they get sworn in. Maybe by that point, they're starting to realize there's something, there's two or three other meetings a month they're going to have to attend in addition to regular meetings of their board or council. So I try and alert them early. I try and get them in, to be informed, I send information to candidates once they're qualified for the ballot. Just so they're aware that there are these issues going on, they may want to be aware of, they may want to be aware more about what the COG does so that when they are elected and preparing to take office, they're preparing for this, the schedule of what's coming ahead for them with the COG. Through the year, as the committees meet, do they also talk to the agency directors? Certainly, depending on the agency and the committee, there is a primary staff person responsible for each of our COG committees. So for instance, the finance director is the key staff liaison for the finance committee. The, the climate action sustainability committee has primary staff that work with that committee and help them set the agenda and prepare things. I don't have time to attend all of the committee meetings every month, though I try to attend as many as I can. And when there are controversial things coming up or questions about timing of agenda items, I review those with staff so that I'm preparing in advance for what's coming to the general forum next month through the committee process. And if there's a purchase or a budget amendment that needs to happen, that starts with a programmatic committee that might be supporting parks and rec or, or fire or something like that. And that committee then makes a recommendation that goes to the finance committee. Then it goes on to the executive committee and lots of, as I said before, lots of the committees will see things before it ends up at the general forum. And that's part of the recipe for success. Right. But everybody who's responsible for each of these committees has to coordinate as well. So that if something comes from one committee to another, we're coordinating that information. And my predecessor used to call this the cog agenda machine because we're constantly cranking out agendas and it was much more visual 
back in the day when this was more paper operation, but we are very electronic now. And the visual of, of spreading out a very long agenda packet throughout the whole office to assemble it doesn't exist anymore. But Thank the, goodness. But you're right. But the machine of the process of needing to have all of the inputs, you know, on schedule in the right order is important. Oh my goodness. I think these, the reason why I especially appreciate you taking a deep dive on this is because when you talk to other areas that are thinking about regional projects or have gone into to some regional partnerships, I think it's difficult to visualize a structure. And what you're explaining is the way that you have over time evolved the structure of your council of government. And that's important for success. You've named a number of things, including the elected officials that are new and that, as you said, they're not thinking about the cog when they come on to their board. They're thinking about their particular municipality. So I really appreciate the overall and the detail in looking at your structure. Again, I just had a, a podcast episode with Cranberry Township not long ago, and they talked about putting together their regional work. And they have a history of regional cooperation there. So it wasn't a complete strange operation, but it began at a very informal le level. And they're finding their way to build that structure as to what that looks like and how that will go forward into the future. And that takes some real thought about how to make it into a process that you could replicate and the continuity, which is so important over time. And you can't do that without the relationships. You can't do that without the communication, the understanding of how this is distinct in terms of service delivery. And it is at what you just described with the agendas. Uh, I can only imagine if you were to create a visual of that process, what that would look like. It's interesting how all the committees come together and how that moves forward. So it really is fascinating. And I want to move on a little bit to something that, that we've talked a little bit about, just how your agencies traditionally have been very siloed. It is a lean operation. It is also a challenge to get very clear about what you do and don't do. And I think that word creep in services is one that comes up when I work with municipalities that sometimes one day you suddenly realize you are you have added services that you maybe didn't intend or maybe that was part of one vision of a particular board but no longer is serving the community well. So if you could talk a little bit about your lean operation and the challenge and or benefits of having those agencies work as well as they do independently. The silos, that, that visualization is probably more true or was more true of the COG when I got here compared to traditional municipal silos. You hear that, that metaphor or that visualization used in, in a number of different settings and conversations and conference presentations. And here, because of the way the COG grew over time and that we were not the tr traditional typical municipality, we didn't even have finances run in-house until about 12 or 15 years ago. We contracted for that service with one of the municipalities. And some of our other services are provided externally from municipal providers as well. So our partnerships with our municipalities are, are, you know, are kind of two-way, and that's a whole other story. But one of the things that at, because the way that 
the cog grew over time and some of those services were provided externally, the role of the cog administration office was more of a coordination and guidance function than a, as an internal service provider. Over time, we added HR, we added finance. And so the team here at the COG administration office is starting to look a little bit more like a traditional municipal manager's office with those kind of centralized resources and functions here. And we can provide more support and guidance and everything from purchasing to hiring and recruitment payroll out of the administration office. And so the things that used to be done in an ad hoc way in some of the agencies like recruitment now are more coordinated centrally. And that takes a little bit of burden off of some of the agency directors and their staff to do things that maybe they don't do every day. They're not used to doing a recruitment. Maybe they do it once every couple of years. And so it, it's good from our perspective, from my perspective, to be doing more with the professionals like an HR director or a finance director, because they're the ones that are keeping an eye on uh, requirements and trends and things that we need to make sure we're doing things right each and every time. And if something changes and somebody missed, didn't hear about it in one of the, we want to make sure we're covering the risk management, if nothing else, about a hiring or a particular function that, that might be going through finance. Yeah, I could see really great value as you evolve as an organization to have that area of human resources in particular and finance where those conversations are happening across the organization and there is some benefit in terms of learning from agency to agency how things are done, just building that sort of consistency. But we did talk before how some of your services are contracted out with the municipalities. For instance, your IT, your IT is actually handled through one of your municipalities. And yeah. So the State College Borough IT Department provides IT services for some of the COG agencies, the library handles their own because of the needs of the library, but the borough IT department handles the email systems and the servers and the hardware maintenance and such for the COG and I think one or two other municipalities. So we do a lot of collaboration, not just thing from the municipalities to the COG, service provision for each other through the municipalities in the area. So and let's talk a little bit about the capital improvements, which I know can be a challenge. You reached a status here of many decades. How have you handled or did they handle capital improvements in the past? How are you approaching that now? <clears throat> I know in most municipalities, of course, that takes a lot of collaboration across the departments to really come to some understanding of how that's going to look in the budget and who's going to get what funds for what type of improvements. So the COG has some unique relationships with regard to its facilities. And for instance, our fire stations, we have three fire stations and the agreement for those is with each municipality to provide the fire station and the grounds for the fire station. But then we're responsible for maintaining the insides and the building itself, which, which means we we've taken on those assets provided by another, and then we're responsible for that maintenance. We've had, we have a library, we have regional parks, we have two pools, we have a lot of operations, but until a few years ago, there were, 
really was not a centralized way of approaching and the ongoing maintenance and planning for the necessary reinvestment in those facilities. And that was part of the siloed effect that we were talking about earlier. So the fire folks took care of their fire stations, parks and rec folks took care of their parks. And a few years ago, there was the discussion with our elected officials and our finance that we really need to be planning for the future. We might say, hey, that we've got this nice new library, but really that library is now 10 or 15 years old and things are going to start wearing out and we need to be reinvesting in that. So that has been a really key focus of the COG in the past few years is to make sure we're reinvesting in our facilities and we're putting away money so that we can take care of what we own in an ongoing way rather than getting to a point that suddenly things are breaking and there's going to be a huge cost. Again, we want to level the support that we need from the municipalities as much as we can so that we don't create huge spikes when there's a, an unexpected expense. Yes, I want to make sure that I express this because when I hear you speaking and explaining the way your operation works, and particularly as it relates to capital improvements, I can imagine that it's just a huge challenge to be able to convey not only how unique the organization and the COG is and the way it works and operates, but also just the nature of each one of these operations. And I was truly inspired when I met with your agency directors and I had that opportunity and I know that you have very good partners in them. You have in your fire services, just a very distinct fire services operation in the whole state. Your library has got to be one of the best. I haven't interviewed all libraries, but I've interviewed some really great libraries. And I know that your library services just stands out. It's just really top shelf in terms of professionalism, in terms of vision and your coats department. Each one of these areas are standouts, parks and rec certainly as well. So I think that when you talk about working across these agencies, there is something about that that is, is intriguing to me because of how they stand out and, and are unique and distinct. And also, I am sure when they come together, they're very helpful to you as the executive director in conveying exactly what is important in the future to think about. And I'm imagining that they are able to inform you very well in terms of what their vision is for what's needed. I know it's a huge challenge, but I think that one of the really great things to say is that you have agency directors that are just top shelf in their field. And that's exciting. Well, I mean, that, that's one thing that, and I appreciate you, you saying that because I'm, I'm excited every day to be part of this team with top shelf, as you say, agency directors and, and the agencies themselves are really leaders in, in their field, and we are doing great things here in the heart of central Pennsylvania in an organization that can do this because we have scaled up to, to do this for a service area that includes 150 square miles of 90, nearly 95,000 residents. So we're doing this on a larger scale than if any of the municipalities was choose to have a library or a parks program or a a planning operation on their own. By banding together, we create not only the ability to do more in a cost-effective way, but we are able to 
do more and a higher level of performance because we can attract and retain and bring to each agency and to the COG as a whole and to the municipalities top-notch staff because we can do more interesting things. We can provide more programs. We can provide more services. And whether it's special events in parks and recreation or the transportation planning that we do for the region is much different than if we were to talk about transportation planning or special events for the little pockets of what the municipalities would need individually. And that makes this a really special place to live and visit. Yes, I would so agree. And you have very long-term agency directors. And I know your predecessor there was there for many years. And so it's, I think that also adds to the overall just stability and also the ability to do some things that are just not seen very often in, in regional work. And I want to get it down to a more level for the residents in these communities how they feel they're going to move into the area. They've never heard of a council of government before, and they want to put up a new building on their lot, something that that is going to require them to interact with the council of government. Are they going to find that on their local municipality website? Something that alerts them to the service? So certainly the starting point for any resident to find out information about the services available to them as a resident in that, how do I do this sort of thing? has to start or can start by calling the township office or looking at the township website. And it's just a good starting point. If somebody comes in and says, I'm thinking about buying this lot, I want to build a house, what do I do? That starts at the township level or the borough level, but then it goes from there to to the COG. Once there's zoning approval, things hand off to center region code and they'll take over and issue the permits and so on. But from a resident standpoint, a lot of times nobody knows about the COG. <laughs> Sometimes people don't know when they're crossing from one municipal border to the next. They might not know if they were driving to go shopping and do this and that, and they have maybe a fender bender or something else. They may not even know what municipality they're in because the borders are almost nondescript as you go from, say, the borough to Ferguson or to Patton. And so oftentimes I'll talk to people that go, the COG, I've never heard of that, yeah. but they've heard about the services. They've heard about mm-hmm. code. I talked to a couple of neighbors who are new to my neighborhood that had a great experience with Center Region Code as their homes were being built. I talked to people who love the library and the fact that there's a Dropbox when they are ready to return books in, in the shopping center that they go to in their community. So we have services that are spread across the region, but A lot of people really don't know that if they go shopping at Wegmans and they go to drop off a book, a Dropbox near there, that they're in Patton Township, but they live in Harris Township and they're, they don't realize all of these different townships are working together with the borough to, through the cog to go look or to deliver such wonderful services. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that, that it would be interesting if you actually maybe using the university resources, I don't know if they've ever done this, but study the value of, this, of the service delivery and talking about the scaling of the services, if you were to say cost per resident within the council of government area versus cost per resident in another municipality that, that, that doesn't have the same kind of structure, it would be, they would be very interesting to look at because I would imagine there would be 
some some value there in, in terms of what is delivered. We have put together some of those cost figures for some agencies, not necessarily the wider COG as a whole, but the fire protection program in 2021 calculated the cost per capita for providing regional fire protection, excluding the student population, was $29.62, which was less than 11% of the average per capita for similar municipalities across the country. That's so excellent. what one of the key things about the COG, and we've talked a lot about the kind of governmental piece, but one of our keys to success are the partnerships. This yeah. really is one big partnership with lots of other partnerships interwoven. The Regional Fire Protection Program has, I think, seven or eight full-time staff right now, but over a hundred volunteers, mm -hmm. the Alpha Fire Company that, that supports and responds to the emergency. So it, it is a really key partnership to have a volunteer fire company that is responding to the services for a region of our size and successfully uh, do wonderful things. They had a record number of incidents last year and we continue to work to recruit and bring more volunteers in, but it is a, a very professional operation in terms of fire protection that you wouldn't necessarily see too many other places yeah. that we're able to succeed with because of the partnerships. Yeah. Yeah. And I've just learned from interviewing staff over decades that they get very excited about work that extends beyond their immediate boundaries. They like to be involved in a larger area if they can, because it does, it becomes more interesting in terms of the, the types of work that they can get involved in. And I think that's for your area, it's true, not only because of the university, but just in the diversity of the area. So it has so much to offer and so much to learn from, so many great lessons for other areas if they want to learn how to structure a regional model. And again, just I think the lesson, the takeaway for me in listening to you in our conversations is that the practice over time and the understanding that this is the way we work has made the model effective. And you never know where the next good idea will come from or the next opportunity to collaborate will be, we are, the footprint of the COG is very similar to our school district, the state college area school district. And sometime back, a student said, wouldn't it be great if I could get my library books here at school and wouldn't have to go down to the library to get them? And that may be a student who, you know, who, you know, given parents' work schedule or whatever might find it challenging to get down to the main library to pick up their, their books. That idea turned into a pilot that has now won awards for our slow to school program. So yes. the kids at all of our schools can go to the website, they can plug in their library card, they can search and they can request a book and they can put it on hold and have it delivered to their school. And. Same thing with the teachers and staff. They can have their books delivered there if they find it's not easy to get to the library to pick up the books. And so this is just one way of, that we can do more for our residents by working together and collaborating and partnering than we could if we were doing it separately. And that 
That was a great idea that came from a customer, one of our students in the schools. Not something our staff came up with and said, I think this would be great. Right. But they figured out how to make it happen. And now it's something that's been recognized by other organizations. And I think others are trying to see how they can make that happen in their community. Yeah. I hope that others will reach out to you or to others that are involved with the Council of Governments, maybe to some of those who are on the general forum if they want to learn more. I know you have offered to host tours. I've heard some elected officials say that they have been part of groups that have come through and learned from you all. I hope that others will also avail themselves and learn a little bit more if they're interested in regional work. I wanted to, before we go, ask you if there have been any people that have in particular influenced you coming up through this profession. Part of what we're doing in this you know, podcast is uh, recognizing how this profession has gotten into our hearts and minds and helped us to stay through the years. So I just want to give you an opportunity to mention anyone that's been of important to you as you've come through. There have been several people who have influenced and given me opportunities along the way. My, my resume doesn't go back as far as it used to, but there, I started out with several internships and those internships, one in one, when I was on a semester abroad in England and two while I was in grad school in Michigan, and then the one that led to a 20 year career with Mesa, Arizona, those internships were very formative and really got me hooked and helped me realize that this is the career path that I wanted to be on. And then I've had the opportunity to work for several, at least two or three city managers in Arizona that gave me guidance and were good examples for me and mentors along the way. But the beauty of working for Mesa, Arizona was that it was a very large organization with lots of people I could turn to and get experience and wisdom from. And I, one of my mentors was a fire chief and I never had the opportunity to work in a fire department as a staff member, but I had the opportunity to spend time with that fire chief on a number of occasions and learn a lot about leadership and management. And so I'm from that particular chief and he had a lot of great wisdom to impart and remember and recognize periodically. And there were a lot of lessons learned over the years and people I worked with in Ohio and Delaware that have been influential as well. There, there are a lot of people who've touched my, my, my career path and given me advice and that I could turn to. And so that's one of the great things about this profession. There are a lot of people say ICME's coach connect or some of the other opportunities to meet and talk to people that you never know who will give you great advice. It's just good to be talking with people and sharing your ideas and your questions and asking for perspective. Yeah, I think that it's so true. There's so many learning opportunities if we just open up to that possibility through, through interacting with others. And you've been so generous. Thank you so much, Eric. And I'm excited also just to hear about your internships. That's been coming up. And when I ask that question, I'm amazed at how many will say those internship opportunities really helped them form their idea about their career. I think that's important takeaway from this question overall. But I do want to say goodbye for now. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. And I guess I will confess to our audience that this was supposed to happen last week. <laughs> we recorded an entire episode before I realized that I did not have the recording button pushed. It's the first time it's ever happened. And I'm really glad it happened with you because I'm not sure many people 
of Ben willing to come on and do it again. So well, I have happy, a special I, thank you for you. We're happy to do it twice even, Nancy. So it was good talking with you. All right. Thanks. We'll see you soon. One last note. After our show today, Eric reflected on some of his early life influences a little bit more. And I asked him if he would share this with you. I am interested in what shapes our decisions to enter public service and a profession that some refer to as vocation. Here's what Eric had to say. The thing about the question about mentors and people of influence along the way that that I didn't mention is it predates the internships. And I've listened to some of your other podcasts and I know oftentimes your people, your interviewees are sharing particular people who were in the profession that were shaping their career in one way or another. But for me, one of the things that I joke about usually during interviews is that my parents were influential in a, not your typical way. My mother was a school teacher. My dad was a church pastor. And so I, I joke that public service was in my DNA would be unlikely to have gone into some other field because of the way I grew up with my parents serving a church and serving the community as a school teacher and being involved in those ways. And, uh, and I, I think, and I really haven't done this. And so this conversation sparking a thought that I hadn't thought of before too, Nancy, that my, both of my kids are now in careers that are very similar in terms of serving others. My, my son works for Maricopa County and he's in their budget department. My daughter works for a retirement community as an activity and program directors that maybe there is this DNA running through our family in terms of public service. I don't know. That's all another conversation. I totally believe that. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. Take care of yourself. Let's you see you. Bye.